Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey everybody just real quick before the show started uh this is steve and i just wanted to let you know for all the latest information on our podcast Hit us up on Twitter at E-I-L-F Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking for incredible art or maybe gifts for an upcoming uh, birthday or Father's Day, Mother's Day, anything like that, Christmas, uh, you can check out Izzy's art at untidyvenus.etsy.com. You can also find us on all the uh, podcatchers like Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days, Podcast Addict, uh, basically... Google us, you'll find us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. All right, on with the show. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Janet Vardy is a comedian, actress, writer, and producer who may be best known as the voice of Korra in the Nickelodeon series Legend of Korra, but is beloved by these podcasters as Sheriff Evie Barrett in the series Stand Against Evil. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Varney was kind enough to join us on Everything I Learned from Movies. Hey guys, sorry, I can't hear you yet because I'm just connecting my earbuds. Oh, no worries, no worries. Luckily we can hear oh, you. Oh, now you I can. worried about that. All right. Here we go. Hello. Hey. <laughs> How's it going, Miss Varney? <laughs> I'm good. Oh, you don't have to call me that at all. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> is it Lady Varney? <laughs> oh, yes. Milady Varney. Thank Milady. you for knowing that that is my preferred. That's what I'm asking for. I can only hear That's you with one ear, but I think this is my, hang on, this is my stupid, like, why don't you work in both ears? Maybe now you will. I say we're, we're sharing ads, so <laughs> we understand the struggle. <laughs> oh, I've totally done that. I've absolutely done the tandem. My boyfriend gets one one earbud. Um, yeah, for some reason, one of the earbuds is just like on the fritz. Oh, I do have well, a different set of earbuds, though. Well, as long as um, you guys are recording this on your end, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We will we'll take care okay. of all that. Okay. You're good to go. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Maybe I'll just leave this one in, and I can hear you. And if it decides it wants to work, great. Okay. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. My pleasure. My pleasure. Look, there's my closet behind us. Usually I close that door, but clearly I forgot to. (laughs) What you got back there? This is our our, uh, headboard. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, great. Great, great, great. Great, great, great. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, our wedding gift. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, nice. Have you seen our wedding Very invitations? Cool. We make a lot more sense. But yeah. Oh. <laughs> we dress. You don't have to. Listen, let me go ahead and just show you my tape dispenser. I see that's going to be necessary. Yes. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's just a. And by the way, that's just a gold patch that I puttied oh. on. 
That's still amazing. Because they like starfish. So you're among friends. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Well, again, yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, I mean, I guess get started. uh, Might let us know, like, kind of like where you grew up, what your family life was like, uh, you know, how how Janet Varney began. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my heavens. Uh, I am from, I'm closing my mail out so that things don't run slow on you. Um, I am from Tucson, Arizona. Um, I was born and raised by two parents, one of whom was an atheist and one of whom was a Mormon. So their marriage did not last very long. Um, and I mean, it lasted a good while, I should say it did not last very long after they had me really. Uh. (laughs) Um, and I, uh, I lived in Tucson through high school and then as soon as I could, and I do love Tucson, but it was definitely time to go. Uh, I went to Northern Arizona university cause I had an in-state scholarship to like any state school. And then I was just sort of biding my time waiting until I could get to San Francisco cause I had gone there once when I was 13, but had that thing happen that happens to some people where I couldn't stop thinking about San Francisco, like to the point where uh, the, it became more important for me to move there than to like know what I wanted to do with, for a job or anything. It was like, just get to San Francisco and then you'll figure it out. Um, what a hippie, what a right? freaking hippie. Um, so, so yeah, so I lived there, um, for many years and went to SF state and then, um, that's like where I met the guys that I ended up forming the comedy festival that I do with and, um, doing sketch comedy. And, uh, and then that's eventually what led me down here to LA. You see, we just saw you at uh, sketch fest with, uh, plan nine from our space and everything with, uh, nice. and Dana and everybody. So, <laughs> Oh, you watched the online one? Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Uh, good. That, two, that came out well, ago. didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was so funny. Maria is so funny. I can't believe she like put herself in the, the tree, basically. It was, <laughs> that was amazing. She's amazing, of course. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, what, what were you, uh, were you going to school like for a theater or, uh, engineering? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, well, it's funny you'd say that because I, I had started pursuing, uh, a degree in, in theater, but not, I was not, I was like fairly aimless about that particular thing by the time I got to college. You know, I, 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 I think it was undeclared for the first part of my freshman year, maybe even the entirety of my freshman year. And I took, like an acting class, but I, I was very pragmatic. I I really, even by then was like, I don't have any money. My family doesn't have any money. That's fine. But I certainly won't make any money. Like I just did, you know, I was already like, you can't make a living doing this, but I also didn't know what I did want to do. So, uh, so, but then, you know, by the end of that semester, I think I had ended up like auditioning for a couple of different one act plays. And, you know, I had kind of bonded with the people in that one theater class I was taking. And so it was this very begrudging kind of like, all right, I guess I'll major in theater. And then I did. And then I, so I was taking, you know, all of those classes. And, um, but then by the time I decided to move to San Francisco, kind of like what I was saying, no, exactly what I was saying before, uh, I, I, again, did not think it was practical in any way to to do theater in San Francisco. So I, somehow I had become, I mean, you know, this is like age 18, 19. Yeah. I think I had like, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but I had started getting, I think at the place I worked in 
Flagstaff. I worked I had two different part-time jobs the last kind of year I lived there. I worked at a like a bead store, you know, where we made like hemp necklaces and sold Grateful oh, nice. Dead bear stickers. And uh, and then I worked at a place called Grand Canyon Railway, which sold tickets to this specific train ride between Winslow, Arizona and the Grand Canyon. Yep. And they I also, for some reason, because you're familiar with it. Okay. Yep, yep. So there was... That was the store. So that was where you would go to get tickets in Flagstaff if you wanted to go. But then they had the storefront. So they were like, what else do we? So then they had like model trains and they had like a lot of Route 66 and Coca-Cola memorabilia. Um, And so that so it was just like such a both of those places were so different and random. And they were kind of around the corner from each other. And I think one of them got the pottery barn catalog (laughs) and I that was like the paramount of design to me this kid in college in the small college town in Arizona you know I was like this is so fabulous I'd never seen any like stuff like that before and so when I moved to San Francisco I think I even found out like wait a minute the Pottery Barn headquarters are in San Francisco. So it was like a big goal. It really was. Like I got, I got a, I got another set of part-time jobs at very yet more random places in San Francisco. One only sold Australian imports, and the other was a high-end miniature store. Okay, yep, yep. we've probably we know been to exactly both of where that is. I we know. just we just moved out of San Francisco. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, that's now the place that I worked is not there anymore. So I don't oh, know wait, how long you guys Scottish were there. I think you're thinking. Uh, the you Scottish might be thinking okay. the Scottish place. <laughs> both, both I know what you're talking boring. about, but basically, just think of the exact same thing, but put yeah. Australia, like put a bunch of boomerangs in the window, and you're fine. Yeah, boomerangs um, and posters. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and and Vegemite and opals. Like, I mean, really, it was like, wow, this is extremely, extremely specific. Um, I will say they had a very cute, like they had a real cute, like stuffed echidna, stuffed wombat. Um, oh, so the is, wombat was a particular. Didn't they have favorite. like a big six foot tall like kangaroo in the store, like big plush one? I think they did actually. Now that you say yeah. that, I and mean, they sold like blundstone boots and um, a cobra hats. I mean, I really remember all of this like it was yesterday. Uh, and so those retail jobs I worked, and then until Pottery Barn was hiring, <laughs> I mean, it was such a. Go- it's the most ambitious I've ever been. <laughs> like the most ambitious I've ever been in my life was to work at Pottery Barn. It's all gone downhill from there. Uh, so I got a job as a seasonal gift wrapper slash you know a sales associate and i did such a great job they invited me to stay on uh and then i started working my way up the pottery barn retail ladder and from there i was recruited out of the pottery barn by an interior designer and i started working uh, at a design firm like doing project management and stuff so at that point uh, I had, that was part, kind of part of working to establish residency for a year so I could go to SF state. Yeah. But then also, but so then I was like, so then I was at SF state and I was sort of taking my general classes, not any theater because once again, I was like, no, I guess the theater thing is not going to happen. And then I decided I would switch and get an interior architecture uh, degree, um, which was kind of a bummer because I had all these theater degrees from NAU that would, you know, sort of be worthless. Um, But also, 
the degree for that at that time fell under the home economics department. So I would have had a degree in home ec and I couldn't do it. You you didn't want to be the girl from, from Tucson with a degree in home ec? You know what I mean? I mean, like, I just couldn't do it. I was like, I can't, people are going to tease me relentlessly for the rest of my life. I can't do it. Um, and so, and then, and then at that point, I think I had, no, I mean, I must have just made the decision to go back at like, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to continue with my major in theater. And so I continued doing that. And I really did fall in love with the program in a way that I didn't think that I would. And it was because I had done all of the performance stuff, like a, like a greedy actor uh, when I was at NAU. It was just like, oh, what are the acting classes? And I had put off the set design and set building and theater history and all of those classes I had not gotten around to. And it turned out those were the classes I completely loved. Um, and, and, and they actually weirdly did dovetail in with this kind of like interior design stuff that I was into. So I'm really glad in the end that I that I did study theater for my bachelor's but um but even still I was like no I'm on a now I'm on a kind of a career track so I'm sort of getting this done but I'm also working and this is where I'll you know go forward um and so I was working as uh like a buyer for this home furnishing store called Filamento, which was at Fillmore in Sacramento. When you guys left, it would have been, I think it was like a mud pie or something. It's a two-story, it's next to browser books. It's like a two-story white, like kids stuff. And then you go in and there's a mezzanine that wraps around the top that has a lot of like baby clothes and stuff. Um, That's where my, the store was. And we ended up closing the store because the owner retired and didn't want to sell it. And so kind of within this like nebulous year of the store closing and me not knowing what I was going to do and during school, having met these guys that I ended up forming the comedy festival with a bunch of stuff just kind of shifted and took a different shape. And I ended up getting, we got scouted for like, you know, by Mad TV, who was looking for new cast members, and we got uh, invited to do the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival, and um, and so that sort of was the you know I don't know if you guys have had this, but it was definitely I have definitely had some of those like very dramatic transition years where sort of everything changes all at once, um, and I ended up going down to LA very very begrudgingly for uh, a pilot season um like coaxed down by these managers who had seen me in aspen and were like come on you're pretty and you're funny like come on down and like any good san franciscan i had been conditioned to loathe all things los angeles (laughs) and so when i went down there um but i did have some very very close friends who were there and they were in koreatown and i stayed in there this beautiful like quadruplex that you know was um in still a sort of, you know, decrepit neighborhood that, uh, that was one of the first places that someone had kind of flipped and turned into a rental units. And it was just stunning. And there was something really weird and magical about that experience, partially because suddenly I went from having all of these adult responsibilities to someone being like, okay, your job for today is to put on a short skirt and go to these six auditions. Like I couldn't, it seems so silly. It was like, so I kind of felt like I was on a weird vacation or like I was trying someone else's life on, you know, and I wasn't taking it that seriously. And then I started working and then I was like, oh shit, this is what I want to do 
oh no, <laughs> like, oh, oh God, I've been like running away from this eventuality for like a decade now. <laughs> um, and the rest is kind of history. You know, I just, I ended up moving down here and, and working and continuing to go back up to San Francisco to do the fest every January, which is a great way to stay connected to San Francisco. Cause I love that city so much, yeah. uh, for all its changes and everything it's going through right now with COVID and stuff. Um, so yeah, like I completely just bought in to what is great about LA, which includes like, I think the thing I, I had, I had thought was it's, oh, it's so, it's gonna be so fake and it's all, it's all going to be about how I look and how much I weigh and this and that. What I hadn't taken into account was the thousands of wonderful, talented people who come here and who were part of the comedy community and doing their own thing and making stuff and getting together and making each other laugh. And, and so it really was like, oh, this is, it's, you know, this, this, this is where all these great people are. Um, and that changes everything. You know, that's, if that's what you focus on, uh, in your, whatever community you become a part of, then it doesn't matter the, 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 the business side. I mean, it's important obviously to make a living, but it's not, that doesn't have to be front and center in your life at all, you know? So that's been, that's been a really great thing to kind of find out and continue to learn over and over again as I do different shows and meet new people and stuff. And, you know, when you take someone like Dana, who, you know, I just met through the comedy world and we ended up becoming so close and, and doing Stan and now, you know, finding ways, like, how do we, how do we still do stuff? How do we still play together? If, even if, you know, the job, the job goes away. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah, with with everything going on stuff right now, like mm-hmm. obviously you guys are doing like the the virtual online shows where you know taking people from twelve different locations, you know, mostly in LA, I'm sure, but just kind of coordinating all that. How how is it like behind the scenes putting something like that together? I mean, it's good. It's it's definitely. I think that's a thing that has been kind of fun about all of this is that you know you're right. Most of the stuff does happen in, in LA, but realistically, you know, people can be coming from wherever they are. Like, and I shouldn't even say that because I do the thrilling adventure hour stuff as well. Um, with that whole gang and like, you know, the last show we just did, Mark Gagliardi was doing it from Rome. Like he got up in the middle of the night to do the show from Rome because he's there shooting blood and treasure season two. I don't know if that got shut down. Hopefully it didn't, but, um, you know, they had, they had figured out a way to get all the COVID stuff, uh, taken care of so that they were being really safe. And so, yeah, so, you know, people are everywhere and a lot of people have less going on than they normally would. So there's just been more general availability for stuff like that. And, um, like my, my, boyfriend my partner my husband I don't know but uh we've been together for six years and he's kind of always felt like my husband although we are not married uh but he teaches second city classes for like comedy and journalism and he was teaching them in person here in LA before this happened well now his classes have like you know he had someone from like Ecuador and he's got like a he had like a a a criminal prosecutor from Baltimore, like just all of these had all of these people from all over now. Um, and it's completely changed the dynamic of, of the curriculum and kind of the whole class dynamic. And so 
it in some ways it really does have that like oh oh yeah the internet can connect everybody isn't that a positive thing like i've been hating on the internet for so many reasons and like it kind of does what it's supposed to do once in a while (laughs) yeah and it's one of those things like with uh like like we've seen what four or five maybe even more than that like comedy shows and stuff online and you know, you cut out the two drink minimum if you're going to a club and stuff. They're actually pretty that's darn right. affordable. You and do the housemate right. drink minimum. Babe. Well, of Don't course, worry. of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the, the prices are. You have to better. pay a different kind of price for that two drink minimum. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I love hearing that you guys are watching them because that's you're totally supporting. You know, people who, especially stand ups, like. Oh my gosh, to not be able to do Sketchfest this year and just to know that we, you know, we can't bring our our little shoestring staff on that we love so much and um, imagining the idea of being a stand-up and just going, I don't, what do I, I can't, you know, it's just so many live shows, all the live shows, whether it's stand-up or, you know, theater and or whatever, dance, like all of that, music, yeah. oh my gosh, the music business, I mean, whew, what a shift. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was a temp when we were in San Francisco for eight years. So um, not a temp in what most most people think like, oh, so you wouldn't like typed in an office. Being a temp in a city like San Francisco means like one day I'm learning how to gaff cables and the other day I'm scanning people's badges and maybe I'm escorting Bezos to his buffet. Like, it's sure. so many things. And so yeah, that. I have a whole community of people who are the people who would like come in and be like, like, cause you need the ticket takers and the scanners and the things in addition to all the technical people. And so many of them just haven't worked in nine months. Yeah. It's tough. It's really this tough. Is like all they, like I, so many of them, that's all they do. They don't have any other yeah. gigs cause they're just constantly doing those gigs. And it's like, yeah. I don't have any skills because I've done, you know, I mean, I have a million skills, but I don't have anything that looks good on paper because that's all I've done for a decade because that's all I've had to right. do is, you right. know, band to Moscone three times a week and then, you know, out to the Golden Gate Park for whatever concert. And it's like, okay, well, how do I turn that into like working at Macy's? I don't know. <laughs> totally. Totally. Well, hopefully we're going to get back on track. I mean, you know, it was like the vaccine thing a month ago i don't know i feel like a month ago i was like we're never gonna have a vaccine like you know and obviously there's a lot of stuff that has to still happen and you know the way that it's being distributed but it's already feels so much more real than i was willing to let myself think i mean you know we were all i we i was like i guess this is 2021 too like i guess it's gonna be a year of this somehow how are we gonna do this you know and perhaps it won't be now yeah hopefully fingers crossed Fingers um, crossed. But in the in the before four times, um, <laughs> like okay, so you so you moved down to LA um, and you started just getting like uh, you said you said a couple of pilots and stuff, and then like uh, you, I mean you had uh, parts in like Catwoman and like Julia <laughs> Taylor and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you kind of get into those? Was that more like kind of extra work or how? No, it wasn't extra work. I didn't do any extra work down here. Um, I had, because I came down here on the, at the behest of representation, they were able to send me out for stuff right away. So, uh, Catwoman was, you know, they like just, they, you know, it's, it's, it really is all about like building your resume. And, you know, I had like very little on a resume from San Francisco and, um, 
I still, I like, I totally remember that audition. I, it was the first time I met one of my all time favorite casting directors in Los Angeles. Her name is Wendy O'Brien. Actually her last name, she's, it's hyphenated now, but I can't think of what her last name is. Uh, but she was so great. And, you know, I look back and go like, Oh, she really kind of, you know, she was definitely got me like one of my very first jobs. And, um, and now here I still see her for auditions, you know, 14 years later and she's the best. And, um, that was another thing, like so many people in the business that I would have thought would be very cold, you know, I just, again, because of San Francisco was like, Oh, this is going to stink. And there are just so many people that you meet along the way who are great and who love actors or who love their jobs or who are goofy and crazy themselves. And, um, so I got, yeah, I got that. That was a, a speaking part that that then ended up getting cut out of the movie. But then I'm still in the credits, so then you still get like nine dollars uh, every three years for your <laughs> residuals for that. Um, but it was something to put on the resume, which was good. Um, and then I think I hemp a little bit down here when I came down here. I do remember doing like a couple of like a week at a at an agency, um, answering phones and stuff or placing someone who's, whose assistant was on vacation, which was very educational. Um, I worked for, uh, yeah, I tempt, I, I tempt for one day for who at the time was, um, Brittany Murphy's manager. And I ended up like talk, she came into the office and we ended up like totally hitting it off. And she offered me a job as her assistant. And then like, it seems like a few months later she died and it was so sad. It was, that was a very surreal, like that was a, it was, it's, it's so weird when you just kind of get dunked into all of it very quickly. It was, that was very strange. Um, uh, but then I got dinner in a movie that happened within the first six months that I, that I had moved to LA officially. And that was a job that I had for seven years. And, you know, it was a job that, afforded me like I could pay my rent doing that job in Atlanta six times a year for five you know four or five days sometimes less at a time and so the rest of the time I could audition and you know get guest star roles and stuff um but it was it was great because it was not a huge time commitment but it was enough to you know to keep the the lights on um because it's hard you know going in and trying to get a job when you're worried um, it's such a cliche, but you, you know, you might not do your best work if you're like, ah, I really need this. You know, right. it's hard to overcome that anxiety, uh, your, as your sweat, you know, forehead breaks out in a sweat, you know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was definitely, that was, that was great. That was great. That really helped my, you know, I think my sense of security didn't have to, wasn't as threatened as it would have been otherwise. And it was a great job. Super fun. It's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> I am just going to take this moment to, because uh, I forgot to tell my husband when I was driving up the mountain today. We live on a small mountain road. Uh, so you know how they repaved like four months ago? Mm-hmm. Today they decided to cut the manholes to get to the uh, more thing. I didn't think they'd make it all the way up here by the time we had the interview, but yeah, if you hear crying. Oh, were they being, oh, was it loud? Oh, no, it's, well, 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 if you can't hear it, hopefully no one else can, but it's like, what is going um, on? One out of there? the trucks is parked on our lawn currently, so. Oh, perfect. Well, I have, I live in the city of leaf blowers. So every time I just did that where I was like, let me record this cameo. Cause I am on cameo and I donate proceeds to nonprofits. And I, I, I was like, per- this is a perfect time. Let me just sit down. And I pressed record 
and just at in the house next to me. And I was like, no, you've got to be kidding. Of, of course. course. Of course. Nothing else could so, happen. I get it. Yeah. And I record my podcast at home too. And that has happened so many oh. times where okay. some just insane construction sound starts. And I'm like, well... Didn't know that was going to happen. It's just super funny here because we're we are literally on the side of a mountain and we're fairly isolated. Like not much happens up here. Like the biggest thing is if it snows, like the uh, the plow truck, and even they like forget to do this road most of the time. So when something does happen, it's like you know you haven't done anything in five yeah. months. Why today? As soon as I hit that record <laughs> button, though, there you guys are. Of course, of course. Wait, so where are you guys that you're up on the small mountain road? Uh, we're in a lovely little mountain town called Eden, Utah. Uh, it's about oh, okay. 40 minutes away from like Park City and Salt Lake. A little further nice. from Salt Lake. Nice. Yeah, yeah, Steve, right uh, much like the, the fabulous Lady Varney, um, <laughs> also grew up uh, half Mormon, half atheist. And right. it resulted us in inheriting a house on a mountain. <laughs> yeah. How about that? I was going to ask, you know, you always want to ask if it's Utah. And I always feel yeah. like I'm, it's okay if I ask because I have family, you know, family in Utah who are Mormon, but... Um, well, that's really cool. I yeah. love Utah. I really do. It's, it's, it's not bad. Um, it's a beautiful, I mean, I mean it's a beautiful state. More, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I definitely, I just had a conversation with, um, our termite guy. Cause on top of everything else, of course you would have termites in 2020. Um, but he's, he was talking about, we had, we ended up getting this like endless conversation about politics and I loved it because he, it became clear that he's like, I consider him now like my counterpart on the right, which is to say he's totally open and respectful and non-judgmental and like now I'm just patting myself on the back. But point being, neither one of us like we were both like listening to each other and you know, he had, you know, he had voted for Trump the first time around, but he had just voted for Biden, but he was like I don't know anything about Joe Biden. I just hope he hope he does an okay job and you know and um and and it was it was I felt such hope, but he was talking about how he's a Christian, and that reminded me that like of how disappointed I was that Utah went red. I just was like, not this time, guys, not this oh, time. Well, the thing is, Salt Lake City County, though, where the college is and it, where half the population was was blue. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, it was like ninety percent Republican vote. Blah blah blah. This year yeah. it was like fifty-eight to thirty-five. Yeah, say that's good. It's turning. It's getting it's a turning. Yeah. In there, you know? Well, I just thought Romney. I mean, I thought if ever there was a time for the conservative Mormon population to go, no, like no, we're not gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this other thing. We're Overall, I thought maybe there was a chance, but we're the state who only just got a mask mandate uh, Sunday and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah, like a week and a half ago. So, yeah, that's that's intense. There's room to grow. I mean, (laughs) we're already wearing our masks as per the CDC, but the governor only just made everybody do it. Yeah. That's one of those things where, yeah, it's like, we don't know. Yeah. It's a weird, (laughs) it's a weird time. It's a weird time. There's no, no one, like, there's so much you can still do. And just have a mask on. Like nobody, you know, it doesn't have to move into the lockdown state if people are just doing 50% of the, you know what I mean? I just like, it's, it's just, it's a bummer because it feels like, 
like, no, with, I, with, I, with I, I go to PT. I look forward I'm, to it, you know, keep my face warm. Oh, it has helped. Outside, Even I mean, totally, totally. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed putting my mask on when I go for a walk at like six, six in the morning and it's dark and fairly, actually fairly chilly here. And like, good thing for this. I don't have a red, shiny, cold nose right now. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those things like, yeah, I enjoy dressing up like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat and doing everything. <laughs> I mean, sure, it puts fear in others, but I'm okay with that, you know. That you got to be okay with it. That They'll adjust. I should also mention Steve's six foot eight, oh, so yeah. he's like two inches taller than a door frame. So <laughs> got he already it. instills got fear it. where he goes places. Yeah, it's hard to blend in. I have a couple of friends who are that tall, and uh, it's you definitely it's hard to blend in. Nice. But I All think right. that's a good thing. Well, uh, okay. So how'd you get Cora? Like, like, <laughs> how did that, how did yeah, that come to I be? just auditioned. Yeah, I just auditioned. I just auditioned. I, I. Um, I got called, you know, I got called in to, to audition with, you know, however many other people. Um, and they just kept bringing me back into this kind of callback process. But I never, I never thought that I would get it. I never thought I would get it. Yeah, I was going to ask, was, like, had you done it before, it. like any voiceover stuff or, or voice acting? A little bit, a little bit, not very much. I mean, I had done a pilot for Nickelodeon that didn't get picked up. I did, you know, I did some, I, I, I did a, a part in, in the really great stop motion, like paper puppetry movie, you know, but there was just like a little thing here. Like in, in San Francisco, there was like Blue Mountain greeting cards over these animated greeting cards. I had done some voices for that. You know, I really didn't have any significant animation experience at all. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just was so lucky that, that Mike and Brian, you know, felt a hit of quality. <laughs> um, or whatever it was that, and and that was the other thing is I I never thought it would be something as serious as you know I thought oh if I get anything I'm going to be like it will be like a SpongeBob type situation where I mean <laughs> God willing I mean that's an amazing that's an amazing long running <laughs> money making machine but you know I just was like oh it'll be some wacky voice that I do and then lo and behold the first kind of you know significant job I get they're like no just your voice so. <laughs> And and by the way, not that funny. Um, just, just and what an honor! You know. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, I, you know, I know I was. I definitely was. You know, I did some of my most serious, grounded acting uh, as Cora, and that was, you know, a total privilege. I could never have expected that. And how does it compare to like, you know, like live action acting? Like, is it like behind the scenes? Are you still like? you know, using your hands, yes. things out a hundred percent. I knock up against the microphone and like, it's ridiculous. It's very Spin unprofessional. Yeah, no. I mean, it's very tempting. It's very tempting. I didn't, I, I didn't know really how to, and I still don't, I mean, I don't, yeah, it's, it's hard to separate yourself to where you're just totally still. And then you're making the sound of, you know, X, Y, Z happening. There is a super huge temptation to be more mobile than you really should be. So I've gotten better over the years for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's so different. They're so different. It's almost like, it's just, I mean, it's feel, it's a truly feels like it's, it is a different medium. Um, I wouldn't want to give up either. I, I would not want to transition. I don't think into never being on camera again, because, uh, I'm just so used to, that process and um it's just a different level of like immersion and interaction and i love working with crews i love crews i just love that whole experience i just finished this live action you know it's like a sitcom for netflix that we were able to thankfully complete shooting um last month and 
And I just, you know, it was so great to be, even though everybody was in their mask and face shield and no one could hug or touch or, you know, eat together. Like there was certainly a lot of restrictions in place, but it was just so fun being back with a big old family of people who would never know each other otherwise. Um, and that's not, that's not that you don't get that as much in animation, you know, even if you get to record with your whole cast, you have like one sound guy and, and then, you know, a couple of like, you know, maybe the creators and, and then the cast, but I like the big old passel of like the the grips and the electrics and the, I mean, I just love that. So. And all coming together and making, making something magical, you know, yeah. mm-hmm, I'm a real <laughs> team player. Nice. Right, and, then, and then of course, since then you've been in one of our favorite shows of all time, stand against evil uh, now available on Amazon prime. If you want to buy all three seasons, I highly recommend oh, it. Oh, That's did. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how did that all come out? Obviously you met Dana, I'm, I'm guessing through like sketch fest and the whole San Francisco scene or. Yeah. I met him through the LA comedy scene. I think oh, LA, just, okay. just from, yeah, I think we, and we really got to be great friends when we both ended up, we already knew each other for sure, but we hung out a bunch at one one time we did Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland. We ended up flying up at the same, on the same flight, and we just ended up hanging out that whole weekend. Um, and and then we just stayed great friends from then on. And so, yeah, he had told me that he was writing this – well, I think he told me he was pitching the show to IFC and that he had always written the part with me in mind. And I said, great, enjoy your time making that show without me because that is not <laughs> the first time someone has said, I'm writing something that's just for you. And then the network's like, oh, no, no, no. Get someone famous. We need a um, Janet Varney type. How about Janet Varney? Yeah. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. I said type, type. Uh yeah, so that all ended up, you know, that worked out. Should we, they got the, they picked up the whole show and because they don't really make pilots. Um, they just go, okay, we've, you know, they buy scripts and then they say, yes, we want to make all, all of these. Um, and so, yeah, so we got to do that show and, uh, but I did, I mean, I definitely auditioned for it. Um, but luckily, I still ended up getting it and, uh, and it was, it was, it was fun. It was the hardest thing I've ever worked on. It was hard work, physically hard work. Uh, but such fun, such fun. I mean, I loved that group of people. We loved our Atlanta crew. What a little family we were. It was like, you know, we shot in the summer and it was just like a long summer camp. Um, like turn, got to shut off all the generators because it's there's a lightning storm again. Uh, it's very scrappy. It was a scrappy making of a TV show. I'm sure Dana talked about some of that stuff since you guys, since you guys well, talked to him. Since we're close personal friends with them, <laughs> that's right. I'm sure Dana told you all about it. I mean, we haven't gone to summer camp with them yet, but I'm, I'm assuming it's down the line. It'll come. It'll yeah. come. And yeah, you were saying uh, that was like one of the the hardest roles you're insanely athletic in that whole series like was it was it just like like doing the stuff like crawling in and under and around stuff and you appear to be running in two out of three scenes or was it like were there other things of it or was it just being the main lady or it was no it was yeah it was definitely all of that it it turns out that just being outside in atlanta in 100 percent humidity 100 degree weather wearing like polyester pants that don't stretch and then a, a gun belt that has all the real stuff in it i mean my appreciation for law enforcement 
transition to a different kind of appreciation because I was like, I don't know how you walk around. Like, I don't know how you just get up and put your clothes on and still leave the house in Georgia in the summer. Um, so that in itself was hard. And then, yeah, it was very physical and I had an amazing stunt double, um, who was a total badass, but, um, she didn't have to do that much. I mean, sometimes she would be there and she would like teach me how to do something. Um, I, I really liked doing as much as I could. Um, so there weren't a ton of, you know, if it was a thing where like she had to get thrown across a room, like definitely they wouldn't let me do that. And it was very smart of them. I, yeah, it was all, it was all super, I I get it now. Like I had never Mm -hmm. even been positioned to need a stunt double in anything I'd done before. Um, and I think I'd like kind of scoffed at the Tom Cruises of the world going like, Oh, Oh, do you need to do your own stunts? But when you're in that world and you're playing a character who would do those things, there is some part of your brain that's like, well, I should just do this. Like, if Evie's going to do this, then I should just try to do it. Um, and it's not super logical, but I get it now. I get the feeling that you're like, you get, you, you're sort of on a roll. You're like, yeah, let's, what's yeah. the next thing? You want me to kick that door open? Cool. You want me to fly off that, you know? And, and so, um, so it's, I guess it's addictive in that way. Um, but also, yeah, also kind of hard. Don't worry, Dana. I got this. I can flip that station wagon three yeah, times on the stupid. freeway. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy stunt. That was a lot of fun to watch. And Deborah Baker Jr. and I had really wanted to watch it uh, from the woods where everyone else was, and they were like, "No, you can't. Like, that's just we just want to be super safe because we can't replace yeah. either of you if something happens. So <laughs> you have to wait in this van, the safety van, like down the road. But we'll, you know." show you it afterwards or whatever and then it turned out that like everyone in the woods got chiggers oh, <laughs> oh no so we were like i mean there was a silver lining we didn't get to watch it but we also didn't get chiggers so meanwhile you ladies are sipping cocoa in the surveillance van like man that looks <laughs> hot out there pretty much <laughs> pretty much yeah it was a trade-off nice yeah i i, I can imagine that being <laughs> just being in the moment like I can clear that gap between those buildings. I'm playing a police officer. They believe in oh, me. Oh, man. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. No wonder that it's Tom Cruise snapped his leg. I mean, oh, just, okay. yeah. Stupid. <laughs> nice. And then uh, with working with like FX or, well, I guess that was IFC. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I, I know that you were on the FX show. Uh, You're the worst as well, too, for. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a uh, yeah, to- that was another great show. That was a weird time because there was a point at which I was shooting both shows. There was an overlap, overlap. Um, and you're the worst shot in L.A. And so they had to write me out of, of a couple things because I just was not, you know, I couldn't do it because I was in Atlanta. Um, but there was a couple of times where I had to fly a red eye from finishing doing something that get it got permission to do that flew finished at you know whatever time at night and then got on a plane and then got driven to, like I don't even think I went home one time or if I did I like maybe went home to sleep for like three hours and then just had to go it was very surreal and also just going from playing a sheriff to like immediately going in and 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 then putting on like stilettos and some kind of weird revealing top and being this totally different character and realizing like oh as hard as that as hard as playing Evie is it's still more uncomfortable to wear high heels than it is to you know be running around in the 
There was just less of it. It wasn't as bad. But... A little more air conditioning, though, when you're here now. Yeah, yeah, the air conditioning is, it has a big, <laughs> big effect on comfort, for sure. Wait, you're the worst in let you wear your uh, single female sheriff t-shirt? <laughs> female sheriff t-shirt did not let me. Mm-mm. <laughs> By the way, we totally did look it up to see if it was a real thing. Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It, and- Molly okay. Coffee made the most amazing. Our our production designer, she knocked it out of the park. I mean, every yeah, every set had all of these little nuggets that you know you would go, wait, what does that poster say? <laughs> and then and then just be like, oh my god, she's a genius. Yeah, she's amazing. Nice. Okay, and I and I saw this on your IMDb page, but I haven't seen it. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, you're the star and writer of Fortune Rookie, where you play a fictionalized version of yourself who leaves showbiz to become a psychic. Yeah, highly it, recommend you watch it, guys. If you like right. the other things that you like, I don't <laughs> see how you wouldn't enjoy Fortune Rookie. It's a it's a pretty quick watch. I mean, it's you know it's about an hour total, but oh, it's okay. just broken down into you know into episode little short episodes. But um, the cast is insane. I mean, we just got so many fun fun friends to come and hang out with us and do silly stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, you can definitely watch that. That was a total joy it was just a fun thing that ifc gave us money to make and uh and i was so happy making that it's really that's a whole other level of fun when you know that you're writing for a friend and you know that whatever you write is going to be so much better when it's you know coming out of their mouth um and it was just great i just had a big fat smile on my face every day that we shot that show and now i have to follow up with the obvious question is that your dream Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> just, just making sure. <laughs> no, I, I, I had, I saw a psychic once, um, here and it was recommended to me ardently by somebody who was like, no, I met my, like I met my husband. He predicted that I was going to get this in this job and he was right. Like she, whatever her experience was somehow when it was finally translated to me, it sounded like he had like literally told her the name of her future like you know it was just one of those <laughs> yeah. things where i was like his name is going to all right i mean i'm show up on this bus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then she's like i gotta find rick um i gotta make <laughs> this happen um but uh but i did not have that experience uh with him and i was so fascinated it was such a meta experience of like you know you've spent the money and you and if you're like me and like many of us like i want it to be real not so much because I want the answers, but just because the wonder of it or the magic of it, you know, seems like it would be really fun and exciting and like, oh my God, I got chills, like all that. And, uh, and so I, you know, you find yourself like reverse engineering or trying to make something fit later. Like maybe that's what he was talking about. Um, and this, and I don't know this guy, you know, this person's a perfect stranger. So it just is fascinating to me that, I mean, these, you know, people who go see psychics, like they make choices in their lives afterwards based on something a complete stranger says that you have no idea if they, and very likely they don't know what they're talking about. They just are saying a thing that, you know, I mean, again, I would love for psychics to be real. I I did desperately want to be a psychic when I was younger, but I wanted to have telekinesis uh, and would just sit and try to move like a ball. Um, It never moved. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I, I couldn't let that idea go. So I had just always wanted to do something with, with that, um, ever since I had gone to that psychic. So the idea of, you know, just being told by someone like, I can sense you have the power. Um, the idea of just going like, okay. And then quitting your life and deciding to give other people advice, um, was very appealing to me. So. And and also, I think these psychic classes at SF State were under that home economics degree. Again with the home ec. Again with uh, the home ec. I don't know. But, but, but on there the home was. economics thing, to make it sound better, call it real estate economics. And everybody's like, oh, <laughs> oh my. Yes, real estate. A lot of money in real estate. That's right. That's what A they should have done. A lot of economics in there. That's <laughs> <laughs> all of the economics. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yep. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You should watch it. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very fanciful. It's very strange. It's very like, we didn't realize it when we were writing it. But then when we sort of stepped back and looked at it, I was like, oh, this is like Portlandia, which is not even a show I really watched because I don't, comedy is not relaxing to me because it's like, I just know everyone in it or I've auditioned for something and I'm not in it or, you know, whatever it is. It's not, or I'm thinking about the the jokes, thinking about the writing. How dare you? Um, it's just very, again, that meta experience. It's not, I don't, I don't get lost in something. So I tend to watch a lot of like, you know, British mysteries and stuff. Um, but for a while. So it's basically the same thing. (laughs) See, there you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, so it was just, it's just a strange, yeah, it's a strange um, sort of mythical L.A. filled with weird characters. And we have like weird, like we have some stop motion animation in it and um, lots of great faces. And there's a sort of undercurrent theme of um, James Roday, who's the star of, of Psych. Psych, yeah. Uh, I did a couple episodes of Psych and we had become friends. And this is all real life. Um, and so when I was writing this, I had the idea of like James getting mad at me for claiming to be psychic because he was like, that's my thing. (laughs) But, and so I, I said, will you come on the show and be angry with me that I'm, that I, in my real life am claiming to be a psychic you're mad because in your TV life, you're a fake psych. Like it was just, it's just like very meta. It's just very meta. I know what we're doing tonight. Yeah. And if you could slip us James numbers, we have lots of questions for him about the show. (laughs) Great. Great. And Tim Omenson is in it. And it's like the first thing that he did after a stroke. I said, can you, will you please do something? And he's like, let's, let's see, let's see what we can do. And he did it great. He did great. And it was not, it was not terribly long after it happened. So it was so cool to see him show off his, how, how much he was recovering. And now it's like leaps and bounds, even from where it was then. Excellent. Glad to know he's, he's doing well. Yeah. I heard about that. We're like, oh no. Yeah. We're on a text. We have a text, all the thrilling adventurers. We have a text thread that Tim is a part of. So we always, we're always kind of checking in and making jokes and being dumb and so the yeah. thrilling adventure texts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's it's a really fun it's a really fun text. It's so stupid. Like some of the recurring jokes are so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what like all company like chats become just like the same a hundred percent jokes? <laughs> A hundred percent. It's like yeah. ice apple juice funny. You wouldn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, you briefly mentioned that you were watching, uh, I think it was British crime dramas uh, before I catch up. Uh, what, what, how, during this time, what are you binging? Oh, God, what am I not binging? Um, <laughs> comedy. I guess I'm not binging comedy. We've already established that. Uh, we have been, what did we wrote? I'm trying to think of the last thing that I really loved um, that I hadn't seen before. There's been a lot of like, like that was promising and then kind of what didn't maybe turn out the way I wanted it to a lot of those kinds of shows well besides Tiger um, King <laughs> no oh, man oh, that took a dark turn very early <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway. um I've definitely I'm also like a I'm a, I'm a big you know I, I listen to a lot of podcasts but especially in the sort of like I get real into like the legal justice reform kind of like undisclosed sort of getting it real into like the wonky weeds of the law. So I don't know why that is so interesting to me, but, um, but I really like, you know, wrongful convictions, sort of like how do we reinvent the system kind of stuff I think is really interesting. And then, you know, a lot of audio books I like as well. Cause I like to, I, I like to fiddle. I'm a, I definitely am like a person who loves, I mean, like doing stuff around the house and all that stuff's fun. So for, I'm the perfect candidate for podcasts and audiobooks because I can spend 30 hours listening to a book, but be, but justify it by being like, I got a lot of laundry done, right. you know? Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. Keep, keeping the brain active and yeah, mm-hmm. really yeah. I, I, I've got a lot of that. I've also got a lot of, Hey, let's watch Star Trek and, uh, <laughs> you know, binge forged in fire and, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Easy to do. Easy to do. We didn't go through five seasons of Murder She Wrote in like a month. No, not at all. That's a delight to know. uh, Great British baking show. Nice. And okay, so I I haven't watched that yet, but everyone's like, you're gonna lose your mind. It's yeah. very and you yeah. maybe used to like American game show kind of mentality yeah. where it's all about alliances and cutting other people down. Yeah. Everybody this being just so cute good. and making muffins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my speed for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it's everything American shows are not. So like, Chopped is all about you have to be better than you can. I mean, you still have to be better than competitors, but it's like, oh yeah, no, I hope that he doesn't get the black licorice and and mackerel right, sauce just right. right. No, this is right. like, oh no, your muffins are falling. Let me catch them for you. Like they're so yeah. nice to each other, yeah. and yeah, that's it, it for could me never for happen sure. here. It's a show that couldn't absolutely never happen yeah. here. Oh, I love it. I gotta watch it. <laughs> I'm looking yes. forward to it. So, 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 what's coming up on the JV Club? Your your incredible podcast that everyone should listen to and can be found on thank all major you. podcatchers. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah, what's coming up? What's coming up is my 400th episode. I have absolutely no special plans for it at all. Um, I'm really bad at planning like benchmark stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm just cranking them out, and I still love it. I love it. Yeah, I've been doing it like over eight years, and. Um, I just never get tired of talking to people. Uh, it turns out I really like hearing about people's adolescences um, and everything else that kind of comes along with it, but still going. Excellent. Oh, love it. So wonderful. And, uh, and I'm sorry, where, where can they find that besides all the major podcatchers? Should they follow you on Twitter perhaps? or They could. They could. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter and uh, at the JV Club on Instagram. I'm very bad at being consistent on either one of those platforms, but I am there. <laughs> 
Um, I only recently found out that there's uh, DMs that people can send you on Instagram. Yay. I have never looked at them and I <laughs> never will now because I open it was like, oh, there's just thousands of messages on here that I've never seen. And I can't, I don't have time. Like I can't, I can't go through them all. I just can't. So and cleared. That's a, that's a message <laughs> I'm going to have to put on my, on my, yeah, on, on my page. I'm going to have to be like, guys, I won't check my DMs. It's not personal. I just suck at this. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so those are the places I am and, uh, yeah. And the podcast has its own site, do the jbclub.org that has like all the archives of, um, of of all my episodes and it's wonderful. My friend Chris, um, runs that site and it is a thousand times better than it could be if I were, if I were responsible for it. (laughs) And of course, uh, for our podcast, it's called everything I learned from movies, um, awesome. Are there any lessons that you have learned over the years or any, any nuggets of wisdom that you would like to share with others that maybe uh, just in general or maybe looking to get in a, a, a similar path? I, I say, I mean, this is one of the hardest things I think to do effectively right now um, in a way that I would want you to get what you what to get out of it. But I but the taking an improv class is it's awesome. It's just great for people, even if they don't want to get into acting. Um, it just uh it allows you to, it keeps you in the moment. It forces you to be a better listener, um, to pay attention to other people and what they're saying and where they're coming from. And, um, also just allows you to, you know, think faster on your feet, but also recognize that failure is kind of inevitable and that's okay. And that, you know, you can get better at something by failing at it for a while. Uh, all, all great and important lessons that I learned through improv for sure. Excellent. And of course, learning in general as well is always good, whether it's learning, not a bad thing, turns out studies are in learning, not bad. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Well, stay safe up there. Don't fall into any manholes up on the mountain road. They're drilling them. Uh, Also, so um, I'm an illustrator by trade when I'm not doing odd jobs. And I have nice. a silly little shop. It's Untidy Venus, like a goddess who's bad at housekeeping. Etsy.com. Love it. Um, love it. And for being a guest, I would love to send you a little something for free. So feel free to oh, look through nice. the shop. Let Steve know what you'd like, oh, and I will so nice. happily send it out to you. What a what a surprise treat at the end! I will write that down right now. I will go <laughs> yeah, there right so now. Untidy Venus. Great. I'm headed over there. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much awesome. for taking the time Thanks out. Thanks again, guys. That's super fun. Nice yeah. Thank you, my lady Janet. We, we really appreciate it. <laughs> You're so welcome. If I may, I will be, yes, I will be spending time with my otter tape dispenser in your yes. honor. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah, if you ever find yourself in Utah, feel free to hit us up. Oh, yeah. We can show you around Eden that doesn't even have a stoplight. No. Um. We also have a dinosaur Great. park. <laughs> oh now i'm interested yeah <laughs> ah very good to know all right y'all all right, thanks again <laughs>